It is Thursday, September 24th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Week 3 Preview Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaaf. With me, as always, is Jared Smola, who ranked 10th overall in Week 2 accuracy on Fantasy Pros last week, despite spending two days in the hospital with his brand new tiny human. Nice job, buddy. Right. It was quite literally, I think, since I started working for Draft Sharks, which is yeah, well over 10 years ago now, I think it's the least amount of work I've put into any week, <laughs> any NFL week. And uh, yeah, I did well in Fantasy Pros. I had one of my better DFS weeks ever. So I think I'm just going to start taking, uh, you know, Wednesday and Thursday off and just going from there. As long as you're around Monday and Tuesday, I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I can't take those days without you, but yeah. once yeah. or Thursday works. Uh, and I don't want to compete against you anymore if you're going to have more weeks like you did last week in DFS, by the way. I mean, yeah, I, I, I doubt I will, honestly. I hope I do, but I doubt I will. And make sure that you go in trying to talk yourself down just like that to get the reverse thing <laughs> going. We'll get to the week three games right now, though. We'll jump in with the Thursday night game. Miami at Jacksonville. Jaguars are three-point home favorites. That's up one and a half from where it opened. The over-under is 49 points. That's up five from where it opened. So people saw this line. They were like, nah, the Dolphins and Jaguars are going to score more points. And it's not hard to understand why because Gardner Minshew has tossed three touchdown passes in each game so far. Now he gets a Miami defense that's going to be missing top corner Byron Jones. Yeah, I mean, Minshew's playing well. He settled into this triggered in offense quickly, a 75% completion rate. Uh, he's 14th among qualifying quarterbacks in PFF's passing grades. And you know, Miami has allowed Cam Newton to finish quarterback seven in week one. Josh Allen finished quarterback three this past week. So I, you know, I think Minshew is – the best streaming option this week. And, you know, he sits inside the top 12 in our week three rankings. Yeah, we'll talk about some QBs that I'd be willing to start him over as we get down the list. Certainly guys that I would not have guessed this soon in the season I would be considering. DJ Chark's questionable with chest and back issues. That's kind of rough when you got it on both sides, it sounds like. Um, But his situation, I think, makes Keelan Cole and Tyler Eifert each more attractive this week. After Chark, uh, Cole and Eifert sit next on the team in routes run, both a little ahead of LaVisca Chenault and both well ahead of Chris Conley. Yeah, uh, Keelan Cole leads the Jags with 12 targets and 11 catches. Um, you know, he, he's been the number two wide receiver as far as playing time in routes run go. Um, he, he's been playing a lot out of the slot, which is probably the best matchup versus Miami against Nick Needham. So definitely like Cole at least is like a DFS play tonight. Um, you know, maybe, especially if Chark is out, I think, you know, Cole becomes like a wide receiver three for season long. Um, Eifert, I think you'd have to be sort of desperate to use still at this point. Um, he does, he does lead Jacksonville and he's uh, top eight in the entire NFL with three red zone targets. So he's getting, you know, the looks near the goal line, which is sort of the type of player he's been throughout his career when he's been healthy. He's been a touchdown scorer. So, um, you know, Eifert, a guy I think when bye weeks start to hit will become more of an option. I also saw that he leads Jaguars in air yards, all Jaguars in air yards so far. So that's an impressive number for Eifert. He's a guy to consider if you're uh, playing some DFS tonight. And, you know, if you were trying to get Dalton Schultz or Drew Sample on waivers this week and didn't, and Tyler Eifert's still out there, I think Tyler Eifert's a viable starter in that kind of case, if those are the kinds of guys you're looking at. Yeah, especially we talk about the high over-under here, and the Jags have a pretty high implied total. That always helps a guy like Eifert. And despite the injury situation and, and disappointing start, I think an active DJ Chark is probably in my lineup tonight. Yeah, I think he should be. I mean, the, the injury sort of came out of nowhere, and he was limited on both Monday and Tuesday and then didn't practice on Wednesday. So, you know, it seems like he's legitimately banged up. Um, you know, we'll, we'll hopefully, you know, hear, obviously, whether he's active or not, and then, you know, we'll see if he's going to be on any type of snap count. But, you know, it has more risk than we thought he would have. 
I just hope he didn't head to the Chargers team doctor for some shots to the chest. <laughs> James Robinson over 100 yards last week against the Titans. 16 carries each game so far. 94% of the team's running back rushing attempts to this point. 32 to just two for Chris Thompson. Five targets to Thompson six. So not much going for Chris Thompson and Gardner Minshew and LaVisca Chenault have carried the ball more. It looks like it's James Robinson's backfield right now. Yeah, 16 carries in both of the first two games for Robinson. I mean, one of those a win, one of those a loss. I'm still curious to see what happens if the Jags are, you know, playing from well behind. Um, Robinson's only run a pass route on 30% of the dropback. So he's not doing a ton of, you know, passing game work despite the targets he's gotten. Um, But, you know, game script shouldn't be a problem tonight. The Jags are favored. You know, I don't see Miami running away with this game. So Robinson should be a good volume, but I think he's a solid week three fantasy starter. Yeah, I'd feel pretty good about starting him tonight. Uh, I would not overrate him going forward. He looks fine. I don't think he's special. Uh, he's the kind of guy that if you find a, a running back needy team coming looking for him in trade, I would definitely consider it. I've seen a couple of uh, dynasty owners asking about his value. One dynasty owner said, would you trade two second round picks for, no, would you trade James Robinson to get two second round picks? And I said, yes. Yeah. I mean, he, like you think about someone like Philip Lindsay, like, you know, it's like no matter what Philip Lindsay does, Broncos are always trying to replace him and Robinson sort of a similar guy as an undrafted free agent. You know, I, I definitely think he's a guy you could look into selling in dynasty, but I think, you know, he's here to stay as a weekly fantasy starter um, just because of the usage, because the Jags offense, honestly, has been a lot better than I think people thought it was going to be. Yeah. I don't think he's a flame out guy right now. If, you know, if you have a great trade offer, then I'd be willing to move him, but I wouldn't go looking to move him for whatever because he's about to fall off a cliff. And we've got a question from Periscope from G culture, uh, James Robinson or Todd Gurley this week. I'm leaning Robinson. Um, yeah, man, we'll, we'll get to Gurley. He has not looked good. You like the fact that they're home favorites with a high implied total, but yeah, I mean, Atlanta has a high total usually, and it hasn't done much for Gurley yet. Um, I don't think they're – I think they're close. I'll say that I'd probably lean towards Gurley just for touchdown upside, but they're definitely close. I'll definitely agree that they're close. Ryan Fitzpatrick on the other side of the Thursday night matchup, there's upside to him, but he's really only an option for two quarterback leagues and DFS use. Yeah, I mean, we, we've already seen bad Fitzpatrick in week one. We saw, you know, good Fitzpatrick against Buffalo last week. So you just never really know what you're going to get with a guy. It is a good matchup. You know, Jacksonville's 31st in football outsiders past the DVOA. I like the spots for Devontae Parker and Mike Isicki, so that helps Fitz. But, yeah, I'm with you. I think you should be able to do better in a one-quarterback setup. Yeah, it's just too many other options at the position. Devontae Parker is at least good to go after the hamstring injury limited him the past two weeks. I'm avoiding the Miami backfield. I, I think they're still sorting it out, and we'll see where it goes. And I have to admit that Mike Jasucki looked awesome <laughs> against the Bills last week. I watched a lot of it, and he looked excellent. Yeah, he looked awesome, and his usage has been awesome too. Um, he's run around on 68% of the dropbacks. He's played 74% of his snaps from the slot. So you know, that was that was sort of our question within the summer because, you know, we know Changeli's offenses haven't really used the tight end, but Gusecki's pretty much playing as a slot receiver in this offense. He's seen, seen a 21% target share, and this matchup tonight is good for him. Jacksonville 31st in football outsiders tight end coverage rankings. The Jags have allowed a league high 198 yards to tight end so far this season. Yeah, I definitely put him in a Monday-Thursday lineup this past Monday just to make sure that I didn't uh, miss out on this breakout that might be happening. He's going to cost you beer, so you might as well get something out of him. <laughs> Absolutely. Washington at Cleveland is the first game for the Sunday portion of this. Browns by 7.5 at home and over-under 45. And Antonio Gibson's the first guy we're talking about on the Washington side. Uh, ran for a touchdown at Arizona, but he also carried just 13 times. 55 yards was decent. Saw only two targets. So through two games, this guy who was a wide receiver running back hybrid in college has seen four targets, caught three of them for five total yards. 
His playing time did more than double in week two. He's trending up. I would say it's encouraging if he's on your roster, but I would try not to use Gibson just yet. Yeah, trending up is exactly what I have in my notes here. Um, like you said, his snap rate went, went from 26% in week one to 65% last week. Uh, he ran a route on 51% of the dropbacks last week after just 22% in week one. Um, his carries went up from nine to, to 13. So I, I think he, he's a guy who you're obviously stashing still. I would not be surprised if he emerges as like a weekly fantasy starter down the line here. I think he's in play this week. I mean, just because, you know, the state of the running back position. Um, but Cleveland has been good against the run. They're fourth in football outsiders run defense DVOA. Um, they are 18th in running back coverage. So I'm hoping we see, you know, Washington get Gibson more involved in the passing game. I'm surprised he hasn't been yet. I would start either James Robinson or um, Todd Gurley over him since we just asked that question. Yeah, me too. Uh, we also have another question from Periscope, Taroko 41 uh, Antonio Gibson or Terry McLaurin? I'm playing Terry McLaurin. Yes, McLaurin. Now, I also saw this question previously, James Robinson or Antonio Gibson rest of the way this season. For me, it comes down a little bit to what you need. Like if you need a starter right now, then I would pretty easily lean toward James Robinson. If you're just talking about the end of your bench, I think the specific question was fifth running back. So in that case, I think the ultimate ceiling on Gibson is probably a little higher. I I can't say that for sure because I don't know enough about James Robinson yet, but I guess I think the ceiling is just a little bit higher on Gibson. Yeah, I mean, I feel comfortable saying Gibson's the better player. I think Robinson's in the better offense. Um, I would definitely say Gibson in PPR because, again, I do expect that passing game role to grow. Um, I think it's a lot closer in non-PPR. Terry McLaurin, every week starter. He showed that last week at Arizona despite the slower game against Philly to open things. Dwayne Haskins, a no-week starter. Yeah, exactly. Uh, McLaurin has a 26% target share so far. It's sort of what we pr- were projecting, what we were hoping for. Now, one note on Washington, we, we talked about in the summer about how they ran so few offensive snaps last season and that, you know, Scott Turner wanted to you know p- pick up the pace this year. They are second in situation neutral pace this season. They're 17th in offensive snaps. So, you know, not great, but a huge improvement from last season. So that's just going to help guys like McLaurin, guys like Gibson, guys like Logan Thomas. And those are probably, you know, the only three guys from Washington you're considering in fantasy lineups. Yeah, Logan Thomas, the last guy I have down. Attractive PPR floor for usage. I think the matchup's fine here. I'm not sure yet if the ceiling is attractive. I don't know how high it goes. I think ultimately, longer term, I'd rather have Dalton Schultz. Um, Drew Sample and Jordan Aikens look pretty similar in terms of long-term options. I like Logan Thomas over all those guys this week, though. Yeah, I mean, like Thomas and Schultz are close. Um, you know, Schultz in the much, much better offense, obviously. But yeah, Thomas has gotten awesome usage, 91% of the routes. Um, he has the sixth most total routes among tight ends, a 26% target share. So, I mean, you know, catching passes from Dwayne Haskins hurts a little bit. If, if a tight end's getting that type of usage, um, he's going to be useful. Um, the Browns have struggled against tight ends so far, too. Uh, Mark Andrews got him for two touchdowns in the opener, and then Bengals tight ends combined for 11 catches. 87 yards in a score last week. So I think Thomas is, you know, in low end tight end one territory this week. Yeah. I would not be at all surprised to see him finish top 10 for week three Cleveland. I think you're starting everyone who's really in consideration. It should be another spot where they don't need to use Baker Mayfield a whole lot like last week against the Bengals. And I think that's probably Cleveland at its best is limiting the Baker Mayfield exposure, letting him have book club time and then giving it to the running backs as much as possible. Yeah, exactly. We basically saw the problem, for Baker in fantasy last week, like he played really well, but he threw it just 23 times, finished quarterback 21 on the week. I agree. It should be another run-heavy game plan from Cleveland here. Washington, by the way, top-ranked pass defense in Football Outsiders DVOA. I'm not buying that yet, but I, I, I'm at least buying that, you know, it's not going to be this, you know, crappy defense that we're going to want to be targeting with everyone this season. 
Yeah, they, well, they got the Carson Wentz boost in week one. We'll see how they do when they move further away from that. I do think that it's a fine spot for Odell Beckham and yeah. Jarvis Landry, even though we expect uh, maybe lower pass volume. Yeah, Landry, it seems like he has been a little bit limited so far. You know, he's only played 66% of the offensive snaps coming off the hip surgery. I would expect that to climb um, going forward. And he, it looks like he has the best matchup against uh, slot cornerback Jimmy Moreland, who's been Washington's worst cornerback by pro football focus rankings. Mm. There's certainly nobody back there that scares uh, Odell Beckham, though. Nope. Vegas at the Patriots, unless you really feel like talking about Austin Hooper. No, Hooper's a bench for now, and you're starting Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Yeah. Vegas at the Patriots. Patriots by six at home, over under 48 points. I have been underrating Darren Waller. That guy was a beast on Monday night, and that was versus Malcolm Jenkins, who he, he's getting a little old, but in Philly he was a tight end stopper for years. Yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's just the number one option in the passing game. The Raiders obviously added some exciting rookies, but they're rookies. You know, we know the type of offseason it was. So I, I expect Waller to, you know, continue to be the best target bet in Vegas the rest of the season. He and Josh Jacobs really the only two Raiders that I'm looking at this week against New England. Yeah, tough spot on the road in New England for uh, the Raiders here. Henry Ruggs struggled last week against Marshawn Lattimore. He's dealing with that knee injury, too. I don't know how big of an issue that was, but he's going to see a lot of stuff on Gilmore this week. So I think uh, Henry Ruggs is a bench. Derek Carr is a bench. Um, yeah, it's it's just Waller and Jacobs. Yeah, I'm going to have to see it from Ruggs at this point before I'm really strongly considering him unless I need to play him. I mean, his week one, his week one usage in the first half for the knee injury was really encouraging. But, you know, since then, um, he's been pretty quiet. Yeah, I'm not dropping him if I can help it. But uh, before I start him, I need to see something happen. Yeah, that's that's totally fair. On the other side, Cam Newton is a weekly starter until he proves otherwise or until he faces the Ravens in week 10, whichever of those comes first. And frankly, the way the first two weeks have gone, I'm not sure yet what I'm going to do with Cam Newton when Ravens week arrives. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the rushing, obviously, that's been carrying him. He leads all quarterbacks with 26 carries. He's tied for the league lead with nine carries inside the 10-yard line. He's second in the league with five carries inside the five. You know, he, he's, he's New England's goal line back right now, and we know – how many rushing touchdowns this Patriots offense um, tends to produce. You know, I, I think Newton's on track for like a you know, 10 to 12 rushing touchdown season. Yeah, he certainly could. And he threw for a bunch of yardage against yeah. Seattle last week as well. Yeah, and Vegas, I mean, weak in pass defense and rush defense. So Newton could, you know, once again, put up big numbers in both facets. Julian Edelman's a solid PPR option pretty much whenever the matchup's fine and the matchup is definitely fine here. He showed there is some ceiling too with a huge game at Seattle last week. So I, I'm playing him pretty comfortably. I'm going to need to see it again from Nikhil Harry or Demir Bird though before I'm really trusting those guys. Yeah, I mean, Harry's usage has been pretty encouraging. I mean, he's tied with Julian Edelman for the team lead with 18 targets. It's a 29% target share, but everything is near the line of scrimmage. He has like a 5.7 yard average depth of target. He doesn't really look that good either. Um, so I, I guess the volume makes him an option down the line, but not a guy I'd be excited to use. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, and we've got a question from uh, Periscope. Edelman, Chenault, or Michael Gallup this week? I'm playing Julian Edelman. Yeah, it's Edelman. Gallup is interesting just because, you know, I think we love that game. And I, I expect Gallup to get going despite the slow start. But um, Edelman, definitely the safest bet. And as we saw last week, has upside and has a nice matchup here. Yeah, and before we round out the Patriots, I mean, Cam's probably not throwing 44 passes often right. like he did at Seattle last week, but that that's what makes me a little bit more hesitant on uh, Nikhil Harry and Demir Bird, but not not so on Julian Edelman. Yep, fair. Anybody else from New England before we go? I'm not interested in that backfield right now. No, not at all. I mean, I think James White the best option, you know, just because you know he's going to get the passing down stuff. But um, yeah, again, Cam Newton is stealing all the goal line work, which is you know what you were basically buying Sony Michelle for. 
And we'll have to see James White's receiving. I mean, it wasn't great in week one. It was, you know, just one game. So we'll, we'll kind of see where that goes now that he's back for week three. Yeah, Vegas is um, dead last in football outsiders running back cover drinking. So that helps White's matchup. Mm-hmm. Rams at Buffalo. Bills are two and a half point favorites, 47 and a half over under. The Rams get a tougher defense at Buffalo than they did in facing Dallas or the Eagles in the first two weeks. I would try not to start Jared Goff here if I can help it. Uh, going by DVOA last year, San Francisco was the only top 12 pass defense that Goff actually had a good outing against. And he only did so in one of his two meetings with them. There was no, there was the other big game against the Bucks, which would qualify for that. But that was when he threw 68 passes, was like seven yards per attempt and threw for 517 yards just because he was on the field a ton. And wasn't that when the Bucks defense was still bad? Like I think, you know, they hadn't really turned the corner yet. I'm seeing, I mean, we talk about against them too. Yeah. I mean, we talk about all the time Goff his splits um, versus good and bad pass defenses. He, he's open against Dallas, who's 18th in football outsiders pass defense DVOA, and Philly, who's 27th. You know, had two good games there, but now the Bills are ninth. Um, you, know, you know, they qualify as that top 12 uh, pass defense. So I would definitely be trying to uh, look elsewhere at quarterback this week. And the Rams look like they're trying to lean run, too. I don't think they yep. want to go high volume on the passing game unless they need to. Yep, for sure. Robert Woods figures to see the most of Tredavious White in coverage, but Woods continues to run a little bit less, just a, just a bit less than half of his routes from the slot. Uh, Tredavious White moves from side to side on the outside to cover guys, but he rarely goes in the slot. No more than seven snaps in the slot in any game last season. So I think Woods is an okay guy. I'm probably ultimately starting him in three wide receiver lineups, but he is further down my list uh, than usual. Yeah, I think you downgrade him to like a wide receiver three in this matchup. Although we saw last week, like even with a down receiving game, he you know he has that rushing upside. He scored on the ground last week to sort of you know save his fantasy day. I, I do think I would not be surprised if Cooper Cup though outproduces Robert Woods here. You know he's run fifty eight percent of his routes from the slot. Um, that's obviously the much better spot against Buffalo and Cooper Cup. You know we were wondering about his playing time and usage this year if the Rams went with more two tight end sets. And the Rams have gone with more two tight end sets, but Cooper Cup's still been on the field for, you know, 85% of the snaps. He's run a route on 88% of the, the dropbacks, you know, basically similar to Robert Woods. So Cooper Cup is going to be fine going forward. If you drafted him in the fourth or fifth round, he's going to be okay. Yeah, I think the playing time is going to stay fine. I think the bigger question is the more two tight ends pushing Cup to the outside as opposed to in the slot. You mentioned he's about 58% in the slot so far, according to Pro Football Focus. So, I mean, obviously that's still more than half of his work, but it's also down from previous when they were running more three wide receiver sets. I agree he'll be fine. I don't think he'll be quite what he was the previous couple of years. Probably limited target volume still here, unless the Bills jump out to a lead, which the way they played the first two weeks looks like it's possible. Yeah, I mean, the game has the high over-under. I would not, not be surprised if this turns into a high-scoring game. Are you playing? Who are you playing between Woods and Cup if you have to make that choice? Yeah, again, I, you know, if I'm, if I'm betting, I would bet on Cooper Cup having the, the better fantasy outing this week. Fortunately, I don't think too many people have to make that decision because they were going so close together in ADP. Exactly. Um, on the Robert Woods question, though, I would play C.D. Lamb and Darius Slayton over Robert Woods, for example. Lamb, for sure. Um, Slayton, like I, I get the argument with Sterling Shepard out, but it just, I, I'm still nervous about uh, you know that, that Giants offense in general. Yeah, we'll get to that game in a little bit. Tyler Higby probably starting if you haven't scored three touchdowns at Philly. Uh, didn't see a ton of targets still, and as I said, they're trying to lean run, but I mean, it's going to be tough to sit a tight end scores three times. Yeah, and the Bills just gave up the big game to Mike Kosicki last week. They, they were missing Tremaine Evans and Matt Milano, two of their starting linebackers. Do you, do you know, are those guys on track to play this week? Because I think that makes a big difference in uh, Tyler Higby's outlook. 
I haven't had a chance to check on him yet. I think Tremaine Edmonds was a limited practice participant. He definitely finished last week limited. Matt Milano didn't practice at all last week, so probably a, a longer bet. And Tremaine Edmonds is the worst of the two in coverage. So I would say if Milano's out, the matchup doesn't change much. Although if we're talking about Mike Jacecki, we should really get back to talking tight ends. <laughs> right. Um, backfield, we're going to see about Cam Akers' rib injury. He has started both games so far, so if he's good to go – this backfield stays muddled. Yeah, I mean, Sean, Sean McVay said this summer that he was going to use all three guys, and he seems committed to actually doing that. Um, Cam Akers and Malcolm Brown, though, missed Wednesday's practice. It sounds like Brown's going to play. He fractured a pinky, and it sounds like something he can play through. Mm-hmm. I think Akers is more questionable. Um, if Akers is out, I would feel better about using – Daryl Henderson, I, I think, would be my top pick out of this backfield, but I think Henderson and Brown would be you know, RB3 options if Akers is out. It looks a lot like the Ravens' backfield, where any of them could pay off for you and any of them could let you down. Daryl Henderson had a really nice game against the Eagles, and he could have added a touchdown catch. Jared Goff overthrew him in the end zone, and he was open. Um, it's it's just tough to predict. It was Malcolm Brown that looked like the lead back in week one. So I guess we'll see about usage. It certainly helps the situation for us for making decisions if Cam Akers can't play because of the rib cartilage issue. Yeah, Henderson has been the Rams' best running back so far. You know, he leads the group in yards per carry, and yards after contact per attempt, in PFF's elusive rating. So, um, especially after last week's performance, I wouldn't be surprised if he emerges as a lead back, at least in the short term. And the Rams' blocking looks better so far this year than what we expected it to be. Yeah, again, I think they played two weaker defenses. This will be a better right. test this week. On the Bills' side, it's a tough matchup for Stephon Diggs, likely getting a Jalen Ramsey shadow, but Stephon Diggs is too good a player for that to be a reason to sit him, so I'm certainly playing him if he's in my lineup. John Brown, more in wide receiver four territory for a matchup with a defense that looks like it could be better overall than last year. We're still gauging, but the Rams have started out pretty well on that side. Yeah, so to me, the most surprising thing about the first two weeks of the season is the Bills are the past heaviest offense in the NFL when you adjust for game script. You know, this is an offense that's been you know, what, top top five in run rate, I think, the past couple seasons. They've gone completely in the other direction. So, you know, that's what's really boosting Stephon Diggs. That's what's made John Brown, uh, you know, nice fantasy start the past two weeks despite being the number two option in this passing game. So, you know, if that type of play calling continues, I think, you know, Diggs is obviously locked in as a weekly starter. And I think John Brown could be like a weekly wide receiver three as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Devin Singletary is not a comfy starter overall, considering the usage through the two wins so far, nine carries and 10 carries and two victories. I would be a little bit comfier using him this week uh, because of Zach Moss dealing with a toe injury that at least kept him out of practice Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, if, if Moss is out, I think Singletary becomes like a really solid RB2. Um, the Rams are 27th in football outsiders run defense rankings. They've allowed 4.6 yards per carry running back so far so Singletary is a nice start if Moss is out otherwise you know Singletary gets the edge over Moss Um, he has more carries he has more targets so far but sort of as we expected Zach Moss is getting the looks near the goal line Uh, Moss has three carries inside the five Singletary has zero Moss has two targets inside the 10-yard line Devin Singletary has zero so that's going to continue to cap Singletary's upside yeah and that was a main concern coming in was the goal line stuff so it's discouraging for Devin Singletary to see that continue yep uh, Josh Allen, I don't think you can consider sitting him right now. I think the next time that I'd even consider doing so is week eight against New England. And we'll see when we get to that point. Yeah, we, we knew he opened the season with this uh, really cushy schedule. So um, I'm curious. I mean, this is his toughest matchup so far. So I'm curious to see how he performs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be a nice test for both him and the Rams defense. Yep. If I have the Rams D, I'm not dropping it this week because after the Bills, they have the Giants. They're at Washington. They're at the Niners. We'll see who's healthy for that game. 
Bears at Dolphins and then the week nine bye. So if you can stash the Rams, use them. I'd even consider just going ahead and using them against Buffalo, even if you don't have room for a second defense, and especially if there's not a truly attractive option on waivers right now. Yeah, I think they're a fine play this week. I mean, as well as Allen's play, he still turned the ball over a few times. He had a, a couple throws against Miami last week that should have been picked off. So I think the Rams are still a, a decent takeaway bet. Mm-hmm. San Francisco at the Giants. Niners are four and a half point road favorites, despite not having their quarterback, among others, most likely. Over under 41 points. I'd love to avoid this game in fantasy as yep. much as possible. Football Outsiders actually has the Giants defense seventh in overall DVOA so far after games against the Steelers and Bears, 12th against the pass, sixth against the run. Surprising. Um, another note here, I think it's interesting that, you know, in, in most years, I think the Niners would have just stayed on the East Coast for their back-to-back games, you know, against the New York teams, but they had to travel all the way back across the coast um, and then, you know, travel back again. So that, that could be an issue here. Um, I'm with you. I just, I, I sort of want to avoid this game. I think it's going to be low scoring and ugly. Well, they stayed in West Virginia, actually. Oh, did they? Yes, because that's where they were supposed to have an MRI truck come visit to get all these guys that got hurt tested out, and the MRI truck broke down on the way. That's how I heard that that's where they were staying. All right, edit that out, please. Although, I I mean, (laughs) does staying in West Virginia lower your outlook? I feel like it's a little bit risky spot to spend a couple – spend a week especially. Yeah, that's what I've heard. (laughs) Um, So George Kittle did put in a limited practice Wednesday. Uh, That points to him likely returning. He'll obviously start if he's active. And Jordan Reed showed us that he's a nice handcuff if George Kittle's not ready to go, more so because of the eight targets than the two touchdowns. Yeah, although Kyle Shanahan did make some comment that, like, you know, they're not sure if it's the MetLife uh, turf that caused all those injuries last week. And, you know, again, playing there again, um, you know, that that might make them lean towards holding George Kittle out. So I I think Kittle is still, you know, iffy for this week. Yeah, I mean, certainly get an insurance option for now. Uh, Play as though Kittle's not going to play, because if you end up with an extra tight end because Kittle's playing, then you're in much better shape than if you get to Sunday and you're scrambling for a replacement. Sure. Uh, No thanks on any of the Niners receivers, if I can help it. Kendrick Bourne versus Brandon Ayuk is basically a toss-up if you're in that situation. Yeah, I don't want to start either. I do think Ayuk should be rostered in pretty much all fantasy leagues I think you know he might have been dropped or might have gone undrafted after his summer injury but um you know he played 72 percent of the snaps in his debut last week ran around on 81 percent of the dropback so you know he's basically already a full-time player in this offense and you know especially when Jimmy Garoppolo gets back I think that's going to make Ayuk a fantasy option in some weeks Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff Wilson and Jarek McKinnon are both options, but don't overrate them. For McKinnon in particular, we don't know what the workload split's going to look like, and we don't know how much work Kyle Shanahan wants to give to him. They might still want to limit McKinnon off of the two straight years missing with the knee injury. There's upside, but again, I mean, the Giants have been at least decent so far, even if we don't trust the high ranking. Yeah, I mean, I, I fully expect the Niners to limit McKinnon to some extent. Like you said, you know, he, he hadn't played since 2017. He's just two games into this season. He's only played 32 total snaps this season. He only has nine touches. So um, I think, you know, 10 to 14 touches is where you're going to see him settle in. I do think he'll do most of the pass catching work. So in PPR, I prefer McKinnon. I think Wilson versus McKinnon is is close in non-PPR. I expect Wilson to lead the backfield carries this week. Yeah, I agree with that. I would play Antonio Gibson over either of these guys. Yeah, me too. I think Gibson's a safer touch bet. On the Giants side, I think there is upside to Daniel Jones, Darius Slayton, and Golden Tate. The 49ers are down. Richard Sherman, Nick Bosa, D. Ford, and Solomon Thomas. There's really nothing intimidating among these 49ers cornerbacks otherwise. 
Yeah, um, I, I, it's you know, it's probably Jones's easiest matchup of the season so far, considering he started with Pittsburgh and Chicago. Um, you know, the knock on Jones is that he's missing Saquon Barkley, he's missing Sterling Shepard. So what was a loaded pass catching core, it's a bit thinner now. Um, you know, I think Jones is outside the top twelve in our rankings. Um, but in, in deeper leagues, I, I'm okay with him because again, this Niners defense isn't really one to to be afraid of. Yeah, I don't want to oversell him. He's definitely outside of the top 12 for me, but I wouldn't be shocked if he ended up finishing 12th. And I think he's he's in consideration with uh, for DFS with a low price tag there. The matchup's a little tougher for Evan Ingram than the wideouts. He's got Fred Warner in coverage. The safeties are solid for the Niners, and they're healthy at least. But, I mean, Evan Ingram's in most starting lineups and going to be in our top 12 probably pretty much every week. Yeah, I mean, especially with Barkley out for the season, with Shepard out, you know what, for at least the next three games, I think Ingram's going to be a strong volume bet. I would, I am happy to own no pieces of this new Giants backfield anywhere. Uh, not buying either of those guys, Deion Lewis or Devontae Freeman, on waivers this week. I thought it was interesting to note that in the Football Guys Players Championship, that of course is through FFPC, Deion Lewis was picked up in 801 leagues this week. Uh, Devontae Freeman was picked up in 130, according to Fantasy Mojo. I don't know if maybe that's because um, I don't know if he had. I don't know if Devontae Freeman had actually signed his contract before waivers ran, but I thought that was worth noting the disparity. I think Freeman signed. I, I think a lot of owners were stashing Freeman. I think they drafted him, assuming he was going to, you know, get signed, and already had him on the roster. But yeah, I agree. Avoid the backfield this week. I'm not even sure if Devontae Freeman's going to play. I know he has to go through all the COVID testing and I don't know how many practices he'll get in. Um, you know, if he's out, it'd make Lewis a bit more interesting. Um, I don't know how carries are going to be split. I think Lewis, though, is at least a safe bet to handle the pass catching work. So if, if you have to play a Giants running back, it'd be Deion Lewis for me this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and of course, Wayne Gallman's also there to form out the most, <laughs> the most I don't know, the work <laughs> committee possibly ever. Yeah, behind a bad O-line too. So yeah, it's not going to be pretty. Houston at Pittsburgh, the Steelers by four. That's down one and a half from where it opened. And it's an over under of 44 and a half. Pittsburgh's second in total defensive DVOA, according to Football Outsiders so far. Top two versus both the run in the past. Sean Watson sits outside our top 12. That's not usually going to happen, but I feel pretty good about Deshaun Watson being outside the top 12 this week. Yeah, I think he's definitely benchable this week. I'd play Gardner Minshew over to Sean Watson if you know Minshew's available or if you have both of them rostered. You now Watson's finished quarterback eleven against the the Chiefs. He finished quarterback twenty two last week against Baltimore. The, the offense just looks out of sync without DeAndre Hopkins. Um, and now he has to go to Pittsburgh, which I think the Steelers are the best defense in the NFL. Uh, Football Outsider says them second in total defensive DVOA. They're second against the pass. They're first against the run. So you know. D- d- Watson could always just, you know, be Deshaun Watson and turn in a big game, especially with his legs. But um, it's not something I'm going to bet on this week. Right. I think if he delivers this week, it's going to be because he runs for 50 yards and two yeah. touchdowns. Yeah, agreed. I would play Carson Wentz over him. I don't think there are too many teams that have both Carson Wentz and Deshaun Watson, unless Wentz has been dropped. I'd probably also play Tom Brady over him this week, and we'll get to Brady in a few minutes. Not sure I could bring myself to start Daniel Jones over Watson, even though I think Jones has a higher ceiling this week. Yeah, that's what what I was going to ask you about. I'd have to go Watson there, but I, I would play Wentz, and I would play Brady over Watson this week. I won't be surprised at all if Jones outscores Watson this week. If I'm setting my own lineup, I'm not sure I could do that. Yeah, agreed. Brandon Cooks is a top 36 wide receiver option this week, though, I think. Uh, Will Fuller was not on the Wednesday injury report after reportedly dealing with the hamstring during last week's game. That sure makes me wary of using Will Fuller this week, even without appearing on the injury report. I was going to say, I mean, it's better than him being on the injury report, but it's like, you know, why why do you post a goose egg last week? Why do you only play 63% of the snaps? There's obviously something going on. Um, I don't know. This is sort of the 
spot you put yourself in if you draft Will Fuller. Um, again, it, it's a tough matchup. Although Darius Slayton did have the big week one against Pittsburgh, you know, Fuller sort of a similar type of wide receiver. So as always, Fuller can, you know, have a big one. He could, you know, do what he did last week. We, we've already seen the two extremes of Will Fuller. So it's got to be your decision there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Brandon Cooks is trending up. He was limited in week one, um, was up to 90% of the snaps in week two. So, you know, it seems like he's back being, or I guess, you know, he's finally got himself as a full-time player in this Texans offense. Um, again, tough matchup for him, but um, if he's going to be a full-time player with Watson, I think he's in play as a wide receiver three. Yeah, um, I agree with that. No thanks on Jordan Akins in this matchup. I do like him going forward, but he he's way ahead of Darren Fells in routes run so far, more than triple Fells in that category, but this matchup's no good. Yep, you know, I think Aikens should definitely be owned in like FFPC leagues and in deeper, uh, you know, standard leagues because he's getting the usage. But um, yeah, don't don't want to, you know, dig too deep down the the Houston passing game in this matchup. Yeah, and there are just lots of tight end options at this point. Good for you if you're stocked enough at running back that you're able to sit David Johnson this week. I'm certainly not expecting big stuff from him, but, I mean, probably not a lot of teams that are in good enough shape to be able to bench him. Devin Bush and Vince Williams are both iffy in coverage inside linebacker for Pittsburgh, I I will say. So there's potential receiving upside. I just don't know if Houston is interested in exploiting that area. We've only seen four targets for David Johnson so far in two losses each by double digits. And that's despite Brandon Cooks being limited in week one, Will Fuller being limited in week two. I just I don't know that they're looking to leverage David Johnson's receiving ability. Yeah, again, I think the offense is still trying to figure itself out. So hopefully, you know, that's one change they make is using DJ Moore in the passing game. Uh, to your point, Football Outsiders has the Steelers 20th in running back coverage. They gave up 60 yards on six catches to Saquon Barkley in week one. They gave up a receiving score to Melvin Gordon in week two. So I think there's upside to Johnson in the passing game here. Um, but he's basically just a volume-based fantasy play, especially if Duke Johnson remains out. Uh, David Johnson played 95% of the snaps with Duke out last week. Mm-hmm. On the Pittsburgh side, I'm starting everyone. I mean, I'm tentatively going back to locking in James Conner, 16 carries to Benny Snell's three last week. We heard before the game it was probably going to be split. It absolutely was not. So James Conner and fingers crossed. Yeah, and Benny Snell lost a fumble in the fourth quarter of that game last week that, you know, sort of let the Broncos get back in it. Snell didn't touch the ball again the rest of the way. So it, it should, you know, if Connor can just stay healthy, it should be his job again. Um, Houston has allowed 6.3 yards per carry to running back so far. Eric Ebron's playing time was up last week, 77% against the Broncos. The Texans limited Mark Andrews last week, but Football Outsiders has them 28th in tight end coverage DVOA. They were middle of the league last year, so it's not like they were a strong tight end coverage defense last year. We'll see about the target volume for Eric Ebron. It's going to be tough because they have so many options, but he is a fallback yeah. option if you didn't land one of the hot tight ends on waivers this week. Yeah, I think that that's his problem is just Pittsburgh so loaded at wide receiver, you know, especially with Chase Claypool now emerging. Um, you know, Ebron's been on the field. He's been running pass routes. He's just not getting the targets. And I wouldn't be surprised if that continues just with, you know, four really quality wide receivers in Pittsburgh. Yeah, there's going to be some week where Eric Ebron has something like Tyler Higby just did, where he gets, you know, five or six targets and scores on two or three of them. But it's yeah. going to be tough to predict because they're loaded, because tight end is so deep that there are just options all over the place. But, you know, know that Eric Ebron is an option if you're not excited about what else you have this week. Yep. Anything else from this matchup? Oh. Tennessee at Minnesota. The Titans are two and a half point favorites. That's up one from where it opened. Um, Not a game where I'm excited about them. Obviously starting everyone in consideration on the Tennessee side, though. A.J. Brown might not be in consideration, still not practicing Wednesday because of the bone bruise in his knee. I'm surprised this over-under is so high. Like I don't I don't have faith in the Vikings offensive score, and I think Tennessee is going to be able to pound the ball on the ground, slow the game down. So I, I, I like the under 
in this game. Um, but yeah, everyone on Titan side, everyone you know, you're usually starting, you should feel good about here. The Vikings defense has just been really bad through two weeks. They're 29th in yards allowed, they're 31st in points allowed. So Ryan Tannehill, Corey Davis, Johnny Smith, Eric Henry, all solid starters here. Johnny Smith didn't practice Wednesday because of an ankle. Do we know anything else about that? No, I mean he played his usual snap rate. Um Last week, so I, I'm assuming just a day off, but, you know, we'll get another update. If he's out again on Thursday, it'll be time to worry. Yeah, it might be time to look for Anthony Ferkser's price in DFS. Yeah, he's, he's been involved even with Johnny on the field. Uh, Ryan Tannehill over Carson Wentz for me pretty comfortably. That was very volume with Tannehill. Um, but, yeah, he's back at it again. He has a 9% touchdown rate through two games after a 7.7% touchdown rate last year. Again, the, the matchup's good. Um, and I don't I'm sort of just blindly putting some some faith in Carson Wentz, even though he struggled the past two weeks. But I, I would not fault you for using Tannehill over Wentz. Yeah, the only way you can have faith in Carson Wentz right now is if you're doing it blindly. Because if you're watching so far, <laughs> there's not a lot to like. I agree. On the Vikings side, there's nothing besides Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen for me. Yep, agreed. Um, you know, Thielen disappointed last week in the box score, but had another eight targets. Um, you know, he's he's uh Top 20 in the NFL in targets. He's second in the NFL in air yards. So his usage has been fine. He'll be fine. Um, unfortunately, Irv Smith, I think, is droppable at this point. It's just it's just a pure committee between Irv Smith and Kyle Rudolph. They're basically sp- splitting snaps and targets down the middle, and, that, and that's just not going not gonna to be enough in fantasy. And for what it's worth on Adam Thielen, I believe that the Colts' DBs coach now is, was the Vikings' DBs coach last year, so I was familiar with him, did bring over Xavier Rhodes, who spent years working against Adam Thielen in coverage. So if any team should be able to work beyond its means in limiting Adam Thielen, the Colts seem set up to do so, so I wouldn't worry too much about that. Yeah, I wish you had told us that uh, last week. <laughs> I don't think it was a reason to not use Adam Thielen. Yeah. Though. It's like, uh, that's probably why it didn't work out. Because imagine if you heard that, didn't play him, and then he goes five for 92 and a touchdown. You're like, why did I not play him? Because he's facing Xavier Rhodes. Yeah, exactly. Um, on to Cincinnati at Philly. The Eagles are four-and-a-half-point favorites. It's down two points from where it opened, and over under 46. Joe Burrow carries top 12 upside this week, but the Eagles defensive line is also a mismatch for the Bengals offensive line. So there's downside risk to Burrow this week as well. Yeah, I think, you know, the Bengals wide receivers are a mismatch for the Eagles secondary. So, you know, that works in Burrow's favor. Um, What I like about this Bengals offense, and it was really the same thing last year, we talked about it in the summer, is that um, they're playing fast. They're second in offensive pace and they're pass heavy. They're third in the NFL in pass rates. And that's helped Burrow. Burrow actually leads the NFL with 97 pass attempts. Um, he's also showing us that rushing ability that we knew he had. Um, he's sixth among quarterbacks in rushing yards. So, um, you know, Burrow between volume and rushing upside, um, I, th- I think, you know, he's he's going to be a matchup starter throughout the season. And again, the matchup here is, is, is decent. Mm-hmm. I think he keeps starting Joe Mixon unless you're absolutely loaded at running back. It's a fine spot for him. And I would consider buying low. The only reason I'm not more – uh, excited about buying Lowe's because I don't trust the Bengals coaching staff to start giving him more targets. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, there's no reason to think they're going to at this point. They're still using Joe Bernard, who has basically, you know, split the, the pass routes down the middle to Joe Mixon, just six targets for Mixon through two weeks. But yeah, he's getting the rushing volume. So, you know, in this running back landscape, he, he's, he remains a must start. A.J. Green, three catches against the Browns, but he had 14 targets, including four in the end zone. So you got to stick with him for now. And a a shadow from Darius Slay isn't scary at this point. Yeah, I mean, if you believe in, like, usage and volume, I think Green's, like, the best by low in fantasy right now because he hasn't really done anything in the box score, but he's fourth among all wide receivers and targets. He leads 
the entire NFL in air yards. Um, and, and I think it's not a major surprise. He's off to a slow start. Like, you know, he, he missed all that time. It was a short off season. He's working with a rookie quarterback. So I, I think green and Burrow will get it going, going forward. And again, I think green is a nice buy low right now. And it is still possible that AJ Green is just you know not close to what he once was, and maybe he doesn't end up delivering. But for now, yeah. I think you buy on the volume and trust him in a, a matchup that should be fine. There, there is room for Darius Slay to cover him well this week, especially if it is a more limited AJ Green. So I think that helps to make Tyler Boyd a pretty a pretty easy PPR starter. Yeah, and Slay has been good. Um, you know, he limited McLaurin week one. He limited Robert Woods last week. So definitely a tough matchup for green. I prefer Tyler Boyd this week, just, just because he has the better matchup. Mm -hmm. I'd rather not use Drew sample right away, just because of how many options there are at tight end, but I'm not afraid to use him if he is your best option this week. Uh, It's not a bad tight end matchup. Philly has been a a tough tight end matchup for the past few years, but Malcolm Jenkins is gone. And in his absence, Logan Thomas and Tyler Higby have scored four total touchdowns through two weeks. Yep, exactly. Uh, Football outsiders has Philly 29th in tight end coverage. And Joe Burrow has been targeting the tight ends like crazy. I mean, C.J. Ozoma was busy before he went down. Drew Sample was busy after Ozoma went down last Thursday night. Um, 21 total targets for those two Bengals tight ends. So Sample definitely a guy who should be rostered in FFPC and should be rostered probably in deeper, you know, standard standard setting leagues. Mm-hmm. On the Philly side, it should be a bounce back spot for Carson Wentz. The Bengals pass rush is not scary. But the Rams wasn't last week either. I mean, you know, the the storyline going in was Aaron Donald against this team, this offensive line that just got eaten alive by Washington. Wentz got sacked zero times last week. He took three hits. He saw the fifth lowest pressure rate of the week among all starting quarterbacks, and he still stunk. Yeah, I mean, there's no argument that he's been bad through two weeks. Um, you know, we also have like three seasons of him being a quality NFL starter. So I, I'm not giving up on him yet. Um, this is, you know, his easiest matchup so far. Again, he opened with Washington, who Football Outsiders has first in pass defense. Uh, the Rams week two are eighth in Football Outsiders pass defense DVOA. The Bengals are down at 16th. So, um, it, it, you know, if Wentz struggles here, it'll be time to worry. And, you know, it'll be time to, you know, even think about dropping him from fantasy rosters. Yes, I'm giving him another shot this week. If he doesn't deliver here, I think uh, like I had somebody ask if they should drop Carson Wentz and pick up Justin Herbert. My answer right now is no. But if Carson Wentz doesn't deliver against the Bengals, then yes. Yep, agreed. Um, the Eagles also clearly moved their passing game shorter last week. His A dot uh, cut in half from Week One to Week Two, and now Jalen Rager's out, so they'll be working shorter. That probably helps Wentz because he's been making bad decisions throwing down the field and he's got two of the best tight ends in the league. So that's going to deliver, that's going to offer upside and it makes both tight ends starters this week against Cincinnati. Yeah, both tight ends are starters. Um, You know, both Ertz and Goddard are top eight among tight ends in targets and pass routes. So I think regardless of matchup, at least for now, um, you know, until Rager and or Elshon Jeffrey get back, um, Ertz and Goddard are weekly fantasy starters. Um, I I think this might be the big Deshaun Jackson game we were all looking for in week one. Um, He ended up being a bit limited in week one. He only played 54% of the offensive snaps. He was back up to 78% last week, led the team with nine targets. Um, You know, nothing to worry about in Cincinnati secondary. Jalen Rager's out. So, um, yeah, DJX and DFS this week, and I think DJX is someone you should be trying to get into your season-long lineups. Yeah, I'm going back to DJX as well. Seven and nine targets so far, so the usage has been fine. You mentioned the, the playing time in week one, which is kind of weird. He said he wasn't hurt after the game. There were murmurs about that. And Carson Wentz has been over 40 attempts in each game so far. Uh, I would expect that there will be plenty more passing. 
Um, there's also room, I think, for Greg Ward in deep PPR leagues. I would hope that you're in better shape than needing Greg Ward at this point, though. Yep, agreed there. Um, and Miles Sanders, by the way, I mean, I think you should oh, be yeah. excited if you own him. Um, returned last week from the hamstring injury, 20 carries, seven targets, played 77% of the snaps. So, you know, he looks like a workhorse, you know, one of the few workhorse three down backs in the NFL. This matchup, too, is awesome. Cincinnati 25th in football outside was run defense ranking. So, Sanders, a guy I'm sure will be talking about on uh, tomorrow's DFS shows. Yeah, lost a fumble on his third touch and it didn't matter a bit. Chicago at Atlanta. The Falcons are three-point home favorites, 47-point over-under. David Montgomery has had an encouraging start to the season. Good week last week. Overall, five yards per carry on 29 attempts through two games, three targets in each game. And the Falcons, again, look weak in all areas on defense. Yeah, Montgomery 10th in the PFF's elusive rating. You know, it's a metric he struggled in last year. So he definitely looks better. Um, now, this game will be interesting as far as, like, game script, game script goes if the Bears fall behind what that backfield looks like. You know, Montgomery still only run a pass route on 40% of the dropbacks. Uh, Tree Cohen's up at 44%. So I think that's the risk with Montgomery that he sort of gets game scripted out of this. But I think, in, you know, in season long, you're still going to throw him in there. Just hope the Bears keep this, you know, within a score. Right. It should help that the Falcons have injuries all over the defense. Guys, starters at every level of their defense missed practice Wednesday with injuries. So there's upside to that. There's also a bit of upside to Tariq Cohen. I, I wouldn't go crazy for him but he's more of a, a ppr option than you would think from last week far from safe but the falcons have tra traditionally been friendly to running back receiving and you know there's the chance that game script goes negative for the chicago offense this week yeah i can't argue with that luckily i don't own any, any tree cones so i don't have to you know consider putting him in the lineup yeah Allen robinson week yes another guy who you know obviously are starting in season long i think this should be a breakout spot for him. So, you know, get him in there in DFS. The targets have been there, 18 targets tied for 10th in the NFL. Wrote about him in the buy sell hold report. He, he's, ju he's just seen a lot of uncatchable balls from Trubisky and Trubisky hasn't been great. You know, he's for whatever reason, just been less accurate throwing to Allen Robinson so far. I think that's going to balance out. So I think A-Rob, you know, remains like a top 12 wide receiver the rest of the way. Maybe he has such a crush. He just gets awkward when he starts throwing to Allen Robinson. <laughs> Could be. Could be. It also helps Allen Robinson that there's no clear number two receiver. You would expect that to be Anthony Miller, but he's only seen nine targets through two games, 42% and 40% playing time. And he's only run six more routes than Darnell Mooney so far, 39 to 33. That is 24 behind Allen Robinson for the lead at the position. So I'm going to need a much clearer, I'm the number two wide receiver for this team before I'm bothering with Anthony Miller. Yeah, I mean, the matchup here makes him tempting, but I'm with you. I would try not to use him just because, you know, again, a guy only running routes on, you know, half of the dropbacks comes with a pretty low floor. Especially when Mitchell Trubisky is that floor. <laughs> All right. Jimmy Graham is the clear third on this team in routes, closer to Robinson than he is to Miller. Still only a fallback at best among tight ends, though. Still clearly a player with not much left. Looks so far more like what the rest of us thought than what the Bears thought. Did see seven targets in week one, saw just one target last week. So it's really all about opportunity upside. Jimmy Graham's interesting this week only because there's the chance that they have to go shootout mode against the Falcons. Yeah, I mean, just the one target last week, like you said, that's kind of scary. The, the playing time was similar from week one to week two. So you know, I think that's, that's just sort of the volatility and targets you get, especially at tight end. Um, the, the Falcons have allowed a tight end touchdown in each of the first two games. So, you know, Graham has a shot to score, but... Um, again, I think think you can do better. I, I'd rather use like Drew Sample even just because I think he's a better target bet. Yeah, I agree with uh, Drew Sample as well. 
Jets at Indy, the Colts by 11. That opened at nine and a half, but uh, everybody's on the Colts side of that one. Over under 44. Adam Gase calls Jamison Crowder doubtful for this week because of his hamstring injury. So give me absolutely nothing on the Jets side in this game. Yeah, Brashad Perriman out as well with an ankle injury. Denzel Mims on IR. So it's going to be Chris Hogan and Braxton Berrios. That, that's amazing that a team is already down to Chris Hogan and Braxton Berrios as their top two wide receivers. It should make us more interested in Chris Herndon. Um, you know, he had a decent game in week one, a total bust in week two, not running as many pass routes as you'd like only 56% of the time. He's doing a lot of blocking. Um, and the Colts are third in football outsiders tight end coverage. So not a great matchup either. So, you know, Herndon, he, he's in play, but uh, he's, you know, outside the top 12 tight ends in our week uh, three rankings. Yeah. Like I'm playing him over Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith, but that's about the nicest thing I can say until they start having Chris Herndon run a few more routes and block less. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I'd play him over like Jimmy Graham and Drew Sample and Tyler Eifert as well. I would play Tyler Eifert and Drew Sample over Chris Herndon. All right. Um, Colts side. I mean, who you got on the Colts side? Whoever you got, go ahead and play him. Yeah, I mean, th- th- this should be the spot for T.Y. Hilton. Like, he's been disappointing through two weeks. Had the horrible drop on what would have been a long touchdown last week. But he's at home now. He's got a bad Jets secondary. Paris Campbell's out. That should funnel more targets Hilton's way. So I- I'd be excited to start him. Um, you're obviously starting Jonathan Taylor after his, uh, you know, big and busy week two. And then Moelle Cox, I think, is a legit fantasy starter, assuming Jack Doyle's out. And it looks like Doyle is going to be out of this game. Yeah, whatever tight end is the lead tight end for Indy here, uh, I'm playing in this game. Uh, Jonathan Taylor's an every-week starter for me at this point uh, already. I mean, we're only through one game of him being the starter, but I I can't imagine right now a situation where I'm sitting him. T.Y. Hilton, we'll see. I mean, he was third among Colts wideouts in playing time last week, even with Paris Campbell going down. If he doesn't deliver this week, then it's time to really start worrying, but I'm certainly playing him this week. Michael Pittman Jr. and Zach Pascal, as I mentioned, played more snaps, and they led all – non-QB Colts skill players in playing time last week. There's upside to both of those guys. It's still a little too early in the season, though, to say which one in a more favorable spot or fits the offense better. So I would love to not have to use either one outside of DFS. Yeah, it's interesting with Hill, and you talk about the playing time, um, you know, just a 58% snap rate, but he's on the field for 90% in the passing play. So it seems like they're, they're like pulling him on rundowns, which I guess makes some sense. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. Pittman, I think, is a guy I'd be stashing right now. You know, it's, it sounds like Paris Campbell is going to be out for you know months, if not the rest of the season. So mm-hmm. um, Pittman, you know, the, the early second-round pick, um, a guy the Colts obviously are high on. So I think he's a good stash right now if you have room on your bench. But, yeah, I agree. I wouldn't want to start him quite yet. And if you're running back needy this week, don't forget about Naheem Hines just because he had a nothing week two. I mean, after that, the Colts said we need to get him the ball more. And I think the Jets are a more favorable matchup for Naheem Hines' role than the Vikings are. Vikings are strong at linebacker, even though they lost Anthony Barr in that game. They're strong at safety. The Jets are weak at safety. They're a mess at inside linebacker. And they have a large, stout defensive line. So it wouldn't be shocking if the Colts are less successful running the ball against the Jets and do look to get Naheem Hines a little bit more involved. Yeah, no, those are good points. Um, The concern with Hines would be that, you know, the Colts are 11 point favorites here and they do jump out to a big lead. You know, we know it's going to be Jonathan Taylor. So um, Hines, obviously we we saw the floor last week when he barely played, only got the one target. So I've tried not to use him, but it is fair that, um, you know, this matchup looks good for a pass catching back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Philip Rivers, it's a fine spot, but QB is just too loaded for me to like tout him this week. Yeah, um, quarterback eighteen and quarterback twenty eight finishes for Rivers so far. You know, hasn't looked great. Um, you know, with the high team total for Indy, you could see him throwing two or three touchdowns, but yeah, I think you can probably do better. 
Mm-hmm. Carolina at the Chargers. The Chargers are six and a half point home favorites in a game that's a 43 and a half point over under. On the Carolina side, DJ Moore is always starting. Uh, Robbie Anderson, maybe I'll regret it, but he's like in wide receiver 40 range. I would like to try not to use him despite the 18 targets and pair of 100 games so far, 100 yard games so far. I mean, the usage has been good. Like you said, 18 targets, um, a 20% target share. He's uh, run a route on 84% of the dropbacks. I guess my bigger, you know, I, I guess I'm I'm buying him as like a wide receiver three option the rest of the way. This is just a tough matchup against a pretty strong Chargers secondary, so I think that is what you know downgrades Anderson to like wide receiver four territory for this week. Yeah, that, that's it's the matchup for me. I'm not saying I don't believe in Robbie Anderson the rest of the way because the usage has been terrific. It, it would be different if he had had like six and five targets and he's right. having four for 103, but 18 targets through two games on a team that I think is going to continue throwing the ball a lot and trailing plenty. Uh, I believe in Robbie Anderson in that range going forward. Curtis Samuel is interesting this week, just because of the Christian McCaffrey injury. Like, you know, we know Samuel did a bunch of ball carrying stuff. He opened his career as a running back at Ohio state. Seemed like, you know, the Panthers coaching staff was talking him up as a ball carrier this summer. Um, he does already have five carries this season. And now again, with Christian McCaffrey, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Samuel gets like, you know, four to five carries in this game. Yeah, I'm curious to see Curtis Samuel's usage in this game to see how much more he runs the ball. I would expect that he runs the ball some more. I'm going to need to see something before I'm using him, though, because he's a short-range receiver. And, I mean, a few carries is going to help, but four carries in a game is not going to boost somebody that much unless he happens to break one. Yeah, I think more of a guy you know maybe tossing like a DFS tournament Mm -hmm. lineup, but um, I wouldn't want to trust him quite yet in season long. Right. Mike Davis, if you want him on waivers this week, then you should either be starting him or you overpaid for him. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I mean, we we think he's going to get, you know, the, the bulk of the backfield work. Right now, it's only Trenton Cannon on Carolina's running back top chart. They do still have Reggie Bonifant on the practice squad. I assume they're going to call him up. Um, but, you know, I would expect Davis to handle most of the, the work here, you know, something like 15 or so carries. I mean, he he's a better pass catcher than I remember. I mean, he obviously was busy in the passing game last week after McCaffrey exited, um, you know, Carolina was playing from well behind at that point, but um, Davis caught 66 passes over his final two college seasons at South Carolina. Um, he had 34 catches with the Seahawks back in 2018. That's like the only time he really had a, you know, sustained run of, of playing time in the NFL. So but that helps, you know, we know McCaffrey is such a big part of the passing game. So I think they can sort of slide, not to say Davis is McCaffrey or anywhere close, but they can sort of slide him in to the same role and, you know, continue to target the passing uh, the running backs in the passing game yeah I mean Mike Davis has spent most of his NFL career not doing a whole lot but in Seattle just a couple years ago he was ahead of Rashad Penny as both a runner and a receiver and led that Seattle backfield in targets and catches so he's decent I'm not saying he's great but if you paid what it took to win him on waivers this week and it should be because he's a starter for you this week yep agreed on the Chargers side Justin Herbert is tough because I was excited about the upside of him, uh, you know, already coming in. Then he goes out in his first start, which he learned about just before kickoff, throws for 311, runs for a touchdown, throws for a touchdown, almost beats the Chiefs. I, I have to remind myself that it's just one game. And I mean, it would not be at all shocking if he comes back this week and just doesn't play that well because it's his second game in the NFL. It wouldn't be shocking, but man, he was really impressive last week. I mean, the numbers are good. He watched the game. I think he had to be impressed. And this matchup is awesome. I mean, we talk about, I think the Panthers are a defense we're going to be targeting all season. Uh, Football Outsiders has them 25th in past D. I mean, the concern is that we know the Chargers want to be run heavy. They could easily just run it like 40 times in this game. Um, so, you know, 
Herbert is a quarterback two option. I would not be, you know, going and benching Carson Wentz or Tom Brady or Deshaun Watson for Justin Herbert, but two quarterback leagues. I think he's, he's a nice starter and, you know, maybe in DFS, if he's cheap enough, I haven't even looked at pricing yet, but um, he might be an option if he's, if he's down there in salary. It'd be a tough choice for me between Justin Herbert and Deshaun Watson. I agree with the other two, although it would it's, it would be difficult for me to sit there and make that decision. I certainly would not be surprised if Justin Herbert finishes this week ahead of all those guys that you just mentioned. I wouldn't be surprised if he outscores Watson, but like just on principle, I, I couldn't bench Deshaun Watson for you know, a guy making his second start. Yeah, here's the list that I've got so far. I would probably start Justin Herbert over Joe Burrow and Daniel Jones this week. It'd be a tough choice for me between him and Carson Wentz, but I would probably ultimately lean Wentz this week because of the matchup. Gardner Minshew and Ryan Tannehill, I'm starting over Justin Herbert pretty easily. And I would probably have to lean Drew Brees or Tom Brady over Justin Herbert if I have that decision to make, although those are pretty close. Yeah, I'm with you on Herbert over um, Joe Burrow and Daniel Jones. Uh, I think I'd use the other guys over Herbert. Hmm. Detroit at oh, – actually, who else do you want to talk about there? The wide receivers, I feel like uh, Keenan Allen's certainly in play. The running yeah. backs are fairly straightforward. Yeah, Allen got the 10 targets from Herbert last week, a 30% target share, so that's encouraging. It's just one game, so we're not putting a ton of stock into it. Mike Williams only had four targets from Herbert. Um, so, I, I don't know, maybe a lean towards benching Mike Williams for now just to you know see what that connection with Herbert looks like. Um, and, and yeah, I think both running backs are starters here. Um Joshua Kelly and Austin Eckler both have 35 carries already. That's tied for sixth in the NFL. Austin Eckler still, you know, doing the vast majority of the pass catching work. So he's obviously the better option. But, you know, again, this should be a game where Austin Eckler and Joshua Kelly should both get 12 plus carries. Mm -hmm. And I do think the Mike Williams is an option. I would rather play him than Robbie Anderson this week, I think. And that's tough. I mean, the, the matchup obviously much, much better for Williams. But I think Anderson at this point has to be considered the, the safer volume. But. I don't know. I guess we'll see. Yeah. I mean, again, we're talking about tiny sample sizes here, but just based on what we've seen. Yeah. I think safety is a tough thing to call between <laughs> these two guys through two games. Sure. Sure. Detroit at Arizona. Cardinals are five and a half point home favorites over under a 55. It's up two from where it opened. Kenny Galladay put in a limited practice Wednesday. So that would seem to indicate that he's trending toward playing. And if he's active, you got to play Kenny Galladay here, right? Yep, you do. Um, obviously, a big boost for Matt Stafford, who's been you know disappointing so far in fantasy. He's finished quarterback twenty and quarterback nineteen, but you know this game sets up as a shootout. Um, so, assuming Galladay is back, um, I like Stafford over you know basically all these um, iffy guys we've talked about so far. Uh, Eugene Ballestero on Facebook asks LaVisca Chenault or Kenny Galladay. And assuming it's a serious uh, decision, I would go Galladay. Although I guess what makes it serious is that if you're deciding between those two, you have to decide before the Thursday night game. I would hold out for Galladay there. And if Galladay is not going to play, you know, you hit the waiver wire for a replacement. Yeah. I mean, as long as Galladay is at least limited again today, I think you plan on using him. If he ends up inactive, pick up Quentin Cephas, who, uh, you know, has been, has been busy um, without Galladay. And, you know, we like this matchup. He'd be a, a decent, you know, last minute fill-in. Yeah. As for Galladay's matchup, Terry McLaurin had a big game against Arizona last week. So yeah. uh, Marvin Jones has not done much so far. I really have trouble liking him as a starting option this week. I would start, Deshaun Jackson over him, certainly, but I would probably make myself start Marvin Jones yeah. over Mike Williams if we're looking in the risk reward wide receiver bin. Yeah, I like Jones more than you, I guess. I I would start DJX over him, but um, I'm definitely starting Marvin Jones over Anderson over Mike Williams. Yeah, I think kind of Galladay being back helps Marvin Jones in general. I think it helps him this week because it's going to take Patrick Peterson away from him. And again, I, I, I just like this game. I, mean, I think this game, uh, you know, the Cowboys Seahawks games are, you know, the, the, two of the games you sort of just want to get pieces of because there could, there should be lots of points in both of them. 
Yeah, there's just no such thing as comfortably starting Marvin Jones, no matter <laughs> what the situation is. Yeah, but like we know he can put up you know 30 fancy points, and you know, this if he's gonna do it, this is the type of game he'll do it in. Yep. We also know that he has the same number of receptions as DeAndre Swift through two games. <laughs> hey, I mean, that's because that's Swift's playing a pretty big role in the passing game. I guess so. I would try to avoid this backfield until I can predict at least somewhat what's going to happen, but I think Swift's probably my first guy if I need one of them because this looks like a shootout. Yeah, shootout. Uh, the Lions are underdogs. Um, and again, Swift is, you know, has already established himself as a lead pass catcher. Now he only has like, what does he have, like eight carries through two games, so... Um, you know, that number needs to climb before he's like a solid fantasy starter. But if he can just even get, you know, 10 carries per game and continue to, to play this role in the passing game, um, you know, he's, he's going to be someone, at least in PPR leagues, that we can use in fantasy. And speaking of potential shootout, I think we're still waiting to see exactly what this Cardinals matchup looks like for a quarterback, because all we've had so far is Dwayne Haskins in week two, and then Jimmy Garoppolo in week one, when Kendrick Bourne was his lead wideout and George Kittle hurt his knee during the game. So we haven't really had a shot to see this very well could be a game where both quarterbacks score big points and they're both like top five fantasy by the end of the week. Yeah, I mean, Football Outsiders has the Cardinals seventh in pass defense. I'm not totally buying that yet for those reasons you mentioned. Um, again, I think this is a shootout. I think this is, this is you know, one of the games to stack in DFS this week. Uh, TJ Hawkinson should be higher, but he's, he has caught all nine of his targets so far, but that has meant just 12% target share through two games, even with no Kenny Galladay on the field. Again, the shootout potential here makes him more attractive than I think otherwise the first two weeks would. Yeah, and of course, Hawkinson had that massive game in week one last year against Arizona. Um, you know, so far, it doesn't look like, you know, these are the 2019 Cardinals anymore. They've been solid against tight ends. You know, Kittle had four for 44, although that was, you know, basically in a half. Um, but then they held Logan Thomas to just four catches for 26 yards on nine targets. Um, Football Outsiders has Arizona sixth in tight end coverage now. So, uh, unfortunately, it doesn't look like, you know, we have the start every tight end against Arizona anymore. Now nah, we'll see. We're still judging that because, I mean, George Kittle was playing on a knee that then kept him out the, the following week. And Logan Thomas was also limited in what he did against the Eagles. I mean, he only caught three of seven targets in that game for, I think it was, or four of seven for 37 yards, I think it was, in that game. So this could still very well prove to be a good matchup. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think it's it, it's not what it was last year, which we shouldn't have expected anyways, but. Yeah, I would, I would say just pure luck would make it not as good as it was last year, especially because they didn't have DJ Swearinger on their team at any point this season. Yep. On the Arizona side, start what you got. I think Christian Kirk would have been an interesting bounce-back candidate this week, but he missed Wednesday's practice with a groin injury. So even if he returns and ends up active for the game, I'm out on him. Yep, me too. Um, you know, His absence would make Andy Isabella, I guess, at least like a, a DFS tournament option um you know he Isabel's only been playing like you know about 20 percent of the snaps or something so far um I would I would have guessed that would shoot way up if Kirk is out because Isabel is the number three wide receiver we know the Cardinals run primarily three wide receiver sets and you know as he as he showed last year like Isabella makes plays when he gets opportunities he's only been targeted three times this season but he's caught two of them for 67 yards. So um, I'd be interested to, you know, see what he does with a bigger role if Kirk's out this week. And if he does play a bigger role, make sure you laugh at any commentator who compares him to Julian Edelman or any <laughs> Amendola or any of those guys, just because he's short and white, the guy runs like a four, three I was going to say he's much closer to Deshaun Jackson than Julian Edelman. Absolutely. There's volume upside for Larry Fitzgerald too. If Christian Kirk doesn't play, but Larry Fitzgerald's a very limited player at this point. He's basically Keelan Cole, but probably with an even lower ceiling. Yeah, I mean, if you want like five catches for 40 yards, you know, that's that's probably what Fitz will give you this week. Uh, this week, though, he might be good for nine catches for 45 yards. 
yeah, and he, he could score again. It's going to be a shootout, but not exciting. Dallas at Seattle, the Seahawks by five at home, and that's even up one from where it opened. The over-under 55.5 is the highest of the week. You're starting everybody. I mean, literally everybody that you're actually considering in this game is starter-worthy. Perhaps not Dalton Schultz, depending on what else you have. A quiet week one for Hayden Hurst in Atlanta against the Seattle defense. There were no Patriots tight ends to test the Seahawks last week. So, you know, we're still judging what kind of tight end matchup it is, but – if I'm deciding between Dalton Schultz and like uh, you know top 15 type of tight end, I'm probably going the other way. Yeah, I'd say Schultz is not a must start, but he's definitely an option just because we expect a ton of points in this game. He's a pretty good touchdown bet. You know, I'd start Schultz over all these guys we talked about. I'd start him over Chris Herndon. I'd start him over Tyler Eifert, Drew Sample. Yes, I agree with all those. The one where I'm not sure is Dalton Schultz versus Logan Thomas this week. So yeah. I guess what I would say is I wouldn't pick up the other off of waivers right now to replace the one I already have. If I already have one of them on my roster, I would just roll with that guy. Yeah, I agree. Dallas wide receivers, the matchups are fine for all of them, but CeeDee Lamb could be in the blow-up spot. Uh, The Seahawks lost Marquise Blair last week. He's their nickel defensive back, slot corner safety, this hybrid that they were really excited about coming into the season. It was part of them really altering how they set up their defense. He got injured for the for the rest of the season during last game against New England. Julian Edelman, of course, exploded. Eight catches for 179 yards. So I would expect Dallas to, to test that same area of the field. And C.D. Lamb has been almost 100% slot so far. Yeah, and even in week one, Russell Gage had a big game against Seattle, running mostly out of the slot. Um, he had 91% of his snaps in the slot so far for C.D. Lamb. Um, so I agree. You want him in season-long lineups, and I think he's someone to target in DFS this week. Mm-hmm. Anybody else from that game? Um, no, I mean, start start everyone on the Seahawks side as well. Um, Dallas, it looks like they're definitely going to be missing Chidobia Wuzier, and I think uh, Trevon Diggs is iffy as well with injury. So, you know, what was already a beatable Dallas passing defense is, you know, looking weaker heading into this game. And they're still trying to figure out who they like at safety. Darian Thompson opened the season as a full-timer, and they already cut his playing time in half in week two, so they don't know yet how to treat safety. And I guarantee you that Russell Wilson knows how to treat their safeties. Yes. Tampa Bay at Denver. The Bucks are six-point road favorites here, 43-and-a-half over-under, so not a game to put too much fantasy stock in. But obviously options on the Bucks side. And Tom Brady, disappointed last week against Carolina, just 217 yards, one touchdown in a game that I thought had explosion potential. I, I entered the week down on him and discouraged and skeptical, but I didn't realize that he endured seven dropped passes in that game at least two of those would have been touchdowns. Bruce Arians said that there should have been three. I don't know if that was just Bruce Arians talk at a a news conference, but he said that Tom Brady should have thrown for 400 yards. Even if we don't trust the Bruce Arians projections, which we don't, I, I would say conservatively Tom Brady could have easily hit 300 yards and three touchdowns passing last week. And if he had done that, I think we'd be looking at Tom Brady a lot differently right now than we are at the moment. He gets Chris Godwin back. Now Mike Evans and Chris Godwin should both be full strength. I would not be surprised if Tom Brady's a top 12 quarterback this week. I'm not yeah, I'm not ranking him up there heading into the week, but I wouldn't be surprised if he hits that. Yeah, the fantasy production was disappointing last week um, in that match against Carolina, but I thought he played okay. Like I wasn't super impressed. I thought he played okay. Um, PFF actually had him fourth for the week in their passing grade. So um, if you trust them, that's encouraging. Another good spot here for Brady, Denver 20th in football outsiders pass defense. DVA, you you look at their secondary, I just think a total mismatch with Chris Goblin and Mike Evans, like you said. 
uh, you know, fully healthy together for the, for the first time this season. So, um, you know, I, I would not be, I guess besides Gardner Minshew, I wouldn't be looking on the waiver wire to, you know, start anyone over Brady. Yes, I agree with that. I would not toss Justin Herbert. I would not go pick up Justin Herbert to start him over uh, Tom Brady this week. Nope. Uh, Scotty Miller disappointed last week. Now he's dealing with an injury and both Godwin and Evans are back to full strength. So I think Scotty Miller is cuttable this week. If you need that roster spot for something else, I also think he's still stashable if you have a deep enough roster that you can just hold on to him. Yeah, I agree. You know, I mean, we, the tight ends are doing really nothing in this offense, you know, especially Rob Gronkowski. So um, I think there's room for, you know, Miller when he's healthy to still be the third option in this passing game. Mm-hmm. I'm totally out on these tight ends though. I think both are even cuttable. Yeah, um, you know, Rob Gronkowski's runner out on 50% of the dropbacks, Jordan Howard 44%. So it's a tight end committee. And you know, as we've seen, uh, you know, this year and last, you know, tight ends just don't play a big role in Bruce Arians' passing game. Yeah, Bruce Arians said this week he doesn't care if the tight ends get any targets or not. Yep. Um, at running back, if you have both Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette on your roster right now, Jared, first of all, why do you hate yourself that much? <laughs> and second of all, which one are you starting in week three? I guess I'm going to ignore, you know, what Arians has said this week about Jones still being his guy and go with Leonard Fournette. Um, you know, Jones has just, he's been just okay so far through two games. He had that fumble on, you know, the botched exchange with Brady. I don't know if it was Jones's fault, but, you know, Bruce Arians <laughs> said it was. Um, so I don't know. I, I think, I guess I buy that Ronald Jones might open the game as the starter, but I think they're going to work Fournette in early and you know maybe it's a hot hand situation and, and you know, I think Fournette just has looked a bit better so far so that'd be my lean um, but it's a it, it's a total guess for now yeah he also Bruce Arians also downplayed it he said he had that fumble uh, but that's fixable and you know it wasn't like he's got to fix that if he wants to stay on the field so it sounds like he wants Ronald Jones to still be the guy if I'm making that decision and fortunately I'm not for any team but I, I would have to lean toward Jones here just because you, we really have no idea. I do think that Leonard Fournette's probably the better player, but if a coach wants the other guy to be the first one in, I think I would. I'd still have to lean toward Ronald Jones one more week. But it's really a coin flip. It's like it's like the decision for James Conner and Benny Snell was heading into the beginning of last week when we had no idea who was getting the ball, and it turned yeah. out that you know it was James Conner. Yeah, and that one was even easier for me just because I, I I still feel like Conner's the better player. Like I'm not sure who's better between Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing on the Denver side, if I can help it. I mean, I'm playing Melvin Gordon over guys like Mike Davis and the 49ers, but I'm certainly not <laughs> reaching for him too much. Yeah, you know, Gordon's a volume play, especially assuming Philip Lindsay remains out. You know, Gordon dominated backfield work with Lindsay out last week, got 19 of the 22 running back carries, um, got all three running back targets. And, you know, he had a nice fantasy game because of that, even in the tough matchup against Pittsburgh. So I sort of expect the same thing this week. Um, I think Noah Fant, has almost earned like every week starter status at this point, you know, just, just looks, looks like a guy who's going to, you know, truly break out in his second season. And, and the Bucks, you know, if there's a weakness on this defense, it might be in tight end coverage. Uh, Football Outsiders has them just 22nd against tight ends. Uh, they gave up the 80 yards to Jared Cook in the opener. Um, you know, elsewhere in the passing game, Jerry Judy's the best option, but, you know, he is still not playing like every snap. It's Jeff Driscoll under center. That's a question mark. Matchup's tough against the Bucs. So I would try not to use Jerry Judy, although I am pretty excited about him going forward as the Broncos' number one wide receiver now with Corlin Sutton up. Yeah. Uh, breaking news for the stream, by the way. Um, DJ Chark has now been downgraded to out, so he's not playing in tonight's game. So that helps Keelan Cole, helps Tyler Eifert. 
I would say that's about it. Maybe a little bit of Chris Thompson. And I'm not I'm not downgrading Gardner Minshew from where he is because DJ yeah. Shark has not been that prominent a target so far. I think you gotta downgrade Minshew a little bit. I mean it's it's still the lead wide out. <laughs> um yeah, I mean I think Keelan Cole now is like a wide receiver three. I think I think LaVisca Chanel's like a wide receiver three option now too. Um he should get a target boost and he's been getting uh, some ball carrying work as well. So you think that Gardner Minshew is putting Keelan Cole and LaVisca Chenault in wide receiver three range, and yet yeah. you're downgrading Minshew with the mustache? Yeah, I mean, if you figure Chark was going to get you know seven or eight targets, that's, that's a boost to the other guys. I can't believe, by the way, that they did not get Fitz, Ryan Fitzpatrick and Gardner Minshew today, together this week for <laughs> like boxing match style you know, photo shoot beforehand. I guess COVID's probably getting in the way of that. Yeah, we, we might still get that in like the pregame tonight. I hope, I hope so. I'm I'm there for any time when those two are in the room together. We already had um, them talking trash to each other, whether which was better between a beard and a mustache. And Minshew was talking about how old Ryan Fitzpatrick is. That's good stuff. Never thought a Dolphins-Jags game would be so exciting. I know. I was like, oh, and then I got more excited about it every step of the way. Yeah. Green Bay at New Orleans. Saints by three at home in this one. Uh, there, It's a over under 52 and a half. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if this one comes in under that, though. Me too. Um, I, I mean, on the Green Bay side, the offense has been better than expected. Um, the Saints side, it, it's been worrisome. And I, I know there was no Michael Thomas last week, and it's it's tough to overstate what that means to the passing game. But I don't know. Drew Brees looks like a guy who you know might might be at the end of the end of the road at this point, which wouldn't be a, a total surprise considering his age. Yeah. What's the early week um, updates on Devontae Adams and Michael Thomas on the injury front? Uh, neither guy practiced Wednesday. Um, you know, Adams admitted that he's you know not sure yet if he's going to be able to play. I, I think he has a much better chance though than Thomas. I, I'd be surprised if Thomas plays. You know, just two weeks removed from a high ankle sprain. Yeah, so I mean, especially if either or both of those guys are out, it gets a lot less attractive overall from a fantasy standpoint. I think Aaron Jones and Aaron Rodgers are, are fairly easy starters at this point, based on how the first couple weeks have gone. Um, I would rather not rely on Alan Lazard or Marquez Valdez-Scantling, even if Devontae Adams is out for this game? I mean, they'll definitely climb my rankings if Adams is out. Um, but I think, you know, probably not not beyond, like, wide receiver four territory. I think, man, it, it'd be tough to bench Rodgers, considering how well he's played. But, I mean, Devontae Adams is just a, a massive loss to that passing game. So it would definitely bump him down the rankings. Um, Aaron Jones, obviously, you're starting him after the massive week two. Worth remembering, too, in those four games that Adams missed last year, Aaron Jones saw 27 targets. And if you watch those games, you could just tell the Packers you know, not not made Jones the Adams replacement, but clearly game planned him more into the passing game with Devontae Adams out. So I think you know Jones would get a boost up the rankings if Adams sits. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, on the other side, Drew Brees at home should be a top six fantasy quarterback, but he's obviously he's absolutely not at his current state. I really don't even feel good about him anywhere in the top 12. I mean, I'm not giving up completely. I mentioned earlier that I would still play him over like, you know, the waiver guys that you would be considering this week, but I'd play Ben Roethlisberger. I'd play Gardner Minshew and I'd even give Carson Wentz a shot this week over Drew Brees. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, if, if Michael Thomas plays, I think you can start Brees and feel okay about it. Um, but if Thomas is out, I, I would be trying to bench Brees again. You know, not, not for someone like, Daniel Jones or even Justin Herbert, but um, definitely Gardner Minshew, definitely Car Carson Wentz, you know, Tom Brady, um, th those type of guys I'd be looking to play for Breeze because, again, he doesn't look great, and that passing game I think is just sort of a mess without Michael Thomas. 
Yeah. And of course, Minshew, you'd have to make the decision on for Thursday. So I would just go ahead and play him and, you know, then we'll see about Breeze. Yeah. I mean, assuming Thomas remains sideline in practice uh, today, I would bet on, bet on him not playing. Emmanuel Sanders, I don't know how he wasn't at least okay against the Raiders. Maybe he's just done. Uh, it was a, an extremely quiet and disappointingly quiet Monday night. I would certainly like to try not to use him. I feel better about Traquan Smith. I mean, the good news for Sanders is he was on the field. He ran her out on 87% of the dropbacks, but still saw just three targets. So, yeah, either he's done, just can't create separation, or there's just not that rapport yet with Drew Brees. But regardless, um, against, you know, what's a pretty – strong Packers secondary. I would try not to use Sanders this week. I think Traquan Smith is definitely the better option among the two, man. I mean, are we finally getting the Traquan Smith breakout that I was waiting for and sort of gave up on this year? Um, he, he you know, looked good on Monday night, actually led uh, the Saints in snap rate and route rate, uh, had the five catches on seven targets. So I think, you know, Traquan Smith is a wide receiver three consideration if Michael Thomas is out. Yeah, I would play Traquan Smith over the two Packers guys and some of the other, like, I would play Traquan Smith over Robbie Anderson, I believe, this week. Uh, yeah, I would too. Uh, Jared Cook is okay. Tight end's a little bit crowded for him to be more than an okay option, but, I mean, there's nothing wrong with his spot or his opportunity. Yeah, I mean, he's given us two solid weeks so far, 80 yards in the opener. Caught just two passes last week, but did get in the end zone. Um, and again, with assuming Michael Thomas is out, you know, Cook and Traquan Smith look like the two top options, I guess, along with Elvin Kamara, who had, you know, had the nine targets last week. But, you know, those those are the three top option is options in this passing game with Thomas out. Anything else from this game? No. Kansas City at Baltimore on Monday night to close out this week with a bang. The Ravens are three-and-a-half-point home favorites, 54-point over-under, which is up two from where it opened. It's the third-highest over-under on the week, and, I mean, it's pretty easy. You play everyone except Sammy Watkins when he's dealing with an injury. The Chiefs, these two teams played last year, and the Chiefs won 33-28. to Patrick Mahomes threw for 374 and three touchdowns without Tyreek Hill on the field. Both Daryl Williams and LaShawn McCoy had nice games. Lamar Jackson only had one touchdown, but he was good on yardage. And it, that the, the reason he didn't score more touchdowns is because Mark Ingram took three of them. So there's just plenty of offense, and there's plenty of room for guys to get their yardage and touchdowns in this game. Yep, definitely. I think, you know, the Watkins situation, the the one to watch on the Chiefs side. And I, I do even see if he was concussed. Was that confirmed? Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, we, we haven't gotten a practice report yet because the game's on, uh, on Monday night. So we'll get that one on Thursday. If Watkins is out, I do think McCole Hardman becomes a fantasy option. He was actually up to a 66% route rate last week. And I'm assuming that's, you know, a lot of that came after Sammy Watkins left that game. So if Watkins is out, I think Harbin's a guy you can actually start to consider using because he'll actually be on the field. Yeah, if Watkins is good to go, he's okay. I only think he's he's a player that I think this matchup could um, hurt, as, whereas I'm not so much worried about the rest of the Chiefs here. Yeah, if Watkins is in, I think you still can't use McCall Hardman. All right, let's hit a couple of start-sit questions before we quit. Mike Davis or Kareem Hunt in flex for a half PPR this week? I'm going to go Davis. I'm just going to go with the volume. Yeah, I think I would have to lean that way as well. Um, David Moore or Humphrey? I'm not even sure what we're asking. Humphrey, man, you, you should probably just, you know. <laughs> wow. I'll quit on that week. That's way down the list, but I guess maybe I'd go Adam Humphreys if uh, that's what I'm going to Yeah, he had a nice game uh, last week with A.J. Brown, huh? Yeah. Uh, standard scoring, we got three among Julio, Devontae Adams, Hollywood yeah. Brown, Robert Woods, and Gage. I would take the first three. Well, I mean, Julio and Adams both banged up, so you got to watch those situations. Right. Um, 
I would say I like, you know, among the other three, I'd rank them Hollywood, Woods, and then Gage. Yeah, for sure. Dallas Goddard or Mike Jasucki, I would have to go Dallas Goddard. Um, Yeah, I'd, I'd lean Goddard. I think they're both good options this week, though. Yeah. And I think that's it. Oh, we got one more here. Let's see. We got who should I start in my flex half PPR? Hollywood Brown, DJ Chark, who's now out, or David Johnson. So it's Hollywood Brown or David Johnson and half PPR. I'd have a tough time sitting Marquise Brown here. I was going to say, I almost always lean towards running backs in these situations just because they're, you know, higher floor weekly bats because of the touches. But, um, you know, Johnson just not excited about in that matchup. And Brown, um, you know, a guy I'm always excited about and in what should be a shootout, I would lean towards Marquise Brown. And then one more here from YouTube. Which two should I start among Stefan Diggs, Odell Beckham, Joshua Kelly, or Devontae Parker? doesn't say whether it's PPR or non-PPR. I'm playing Diggs and Beckham among these four guys. Yeah, me too. All right, that's going to do it for this week three preview edition of the podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now, see our full week three rankings, and make sure to check them through the weekend for any updates on all these injury situations that we've been talking about. We'll be back here midday tomorrow for our weekly DFS shows, so come on back and join us for those. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. Jared is at SmolaDS. I am at ShaufDS. It's S-C-H-A-U-F. For Jared Smola and the rest of the DraftSharks crew, I'm Matt Schauf saying thanks so much for swimming with us.